0: Welcome to another episode of Ordinary Old Catholic Me. It is November 7th, 2020, and as I begin this recording of today's podcast, I note that there is a great deal of noise outside my little apartment studio here in Los Angeles, as a great number of people are celebrating the projection by AP and other outlets that Joe Biden is the President-elect of the United States. I am already a bit alarmed because I am not seeing a great generosity in the putative victory in terms of what I'm seeing on social media. How things play out how people respond, how they behave, is something that remains to be seen and is in the hands of God. People who know me well know that I am a long-time Star Trek fan, from the original series in the 1960s to the ill-treated Star Trek Enterprise I have even found myself drawn to those more recent movie and digital iterations. The more recent movies which take place in an alternate timeline and the TVs, Picard and Discovery versions which, truth be told, have outlandish storylines and bear little real resemblance to the germ of Gene Roddenberry's vision. I have always found it interesting and a little bit disturbing that Roddenberry's vision, I understand that Roddenberry himself was atheistic or agnostic, and viewed the future in more human utopian terms. The shows, the movies, virtually never seem to contain a Jew or a Christian. Let me clarify. Never never seems to have had a Jew for certain, but there was one episode and maybe in other episodes references to Christianity. In one episode, uh, a character refers to the son of God as motivating a planetary society in which Roman persecution occurred during their 20th century. I happened to run across an episode last night in which Captain Janeway of the starship Voyager talks about being a good shepherd to a few of her wayward crew members. But overall, if you're watching the entirety of the series of Star Trek, you'd get the idea that no Jew or Christian exists anymore. At least that's always been my perception as a person who actually enjoys the series. You might think, then, if the creator of the series was essentially an atheistic humanist and there's no real mention of Christians or Jews, there must be, as John Lennon was heard to say or sing, no religion too. But that is not really the case, not even in the original series. In the original series, the character of a Vulcan, popular cast member Leonard Nimoy as Spock, comes from a culture full of rites and liturgy and transcendent beliefs of the ever-so-mysterious. Logic is his culture's god, ostensibly, that is, a science, the study and practice of discovery of the correct and reliable and true. No one points out in this culture's pursuit the derivation of the word logic, which is... Logos, L-O-G-O-S, the Word. No one ever refers to in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. The viewer is given to understand that the practice of logic is completely sourced from within the creature, the Vulcan. And yet, all of these sort of supernatural elements seep in, becoming one with another's mind and soul, yes, The soul, they call that the katra, is there too. Achieving the perfection of logic, kolidar. Another group of aliens called the Klingons develop a belief of heaven and hell, which reflects their warlike souls. Their heaven is called Stovakor, and their hell is called Grethor. In the next generation series and voyager series we have the borg whose way to perfection is literally to assimilate and to do so violently any species which they encounter in deep space nine the bajorans have gods that are also for the non-believer are called wormhole aliens the human commander of the station is considered to be one of their prophets. By the end of the series, he is virtually transfigured as he leaves the earthly realm. I think I've always been attracted to this stuff because I've always liked mythologies, those of Bullfinch and those of our modern day tale-tellers. But why? Why do they omit with such fervor the story of Israel's God and Christianity's God, the same God. Why do they, if they believe it is merely another mythology, or do they think that these other aliens have superseded anything of God, of Abraham, or the God who is Christ? I read somewhere that all the mythologies of the past, and you could argue of the Star Trek futures, really point to the truth and that the faith of Abraham and the faith of Christ are the true mythologies. If I have an objection, it is that there is a kind of inherent demonization of Judaism and Christianity. These other mythologies receive a place of honor. The Jew or the Christian is dismissed for not having, well, let's go back to the word, logic, the logos. There seems to be no contradiction in terms of the producers in those views. The Borg method of eradicating the other and co-opting him, assimilation, has been much on my mind this last while, particularly this last week, as I've watched Facebook and other social media outlets determine what is true. There is a well-known line if you are a trekker, but possibly if you're not, because it has seeped so much into the public forum, and that is, resistance is futile. You will be assimilated. If there are no Christians or Jews, or we don't talk about them, they appear to have somehow been assimilated, not by the Borg but by the other humanoids out there in the darkness of space. I had this uh, flash of a thought for an episode in one of the many Star Trek series where a crew member, maybe even a major character, is discovered to be wearing the scapular and is a member of a faith community once known as Catholic. This is a, a bit of a long preamble to the thoughts I have been having this last seven to eight months culminating in the election which to my unimportant mind was orchestrated to be chaotic and which again to my mind serves to marginalize 70 million Americans. I have seen commentary that suggests that 70 million Americans are wanting as human beings because of how they voted. What I am seeing, and we're all free to speak and think for ourselves for now, quietly or publicly, is the danger of assimilation, not in the once honored constitutional sense, e pluribus unum, where we all have, notwithstanding our religious traditions, a great understanding of transcendent values, but in the Borg sense, the violent you will be assimilated and resistance is futile. Technology, not quite as sophisticated as the Borgs, is nonetheless tracking our every move, making the assimilation of body and soul as yet incomplete, but well underway. I have already read today that there is the keeping of lists and that There are Americans now afraid that they will be held accountable for their views and are deleting their tweets and their Facebook entries out of fear. There is much I love about technology, which seduces me, as it were, but thereby, to the extent I have any control, and it is negligible over my being controlled by it and the people who wield it, I am already on the edge of assimilation. Whether I think so or not, my very thoughts, too, are being controlled. The things I read and are strategically placed by algorithms as if that makes them harmless. Well the opposite is true. I was talking to a friend the other day, we were sitting over at Starbucks, and he said something about the need of people to put one another in a box, if any of us veer publicly or privately from approved thoughts, we receive a label. I'm thinking of another early Star Trek episode. Actually, it's the pilot episode for the original series called The Cage, which was then later merged with another later episode of the original series. In it, the prior captain of the Enterprise is captured by aliens in order for him to be essentially a new Adam though Adam is not really religiously used in the concept, for a woman who cannot leave the planet. The aliens are known, or the alien is known, as the keeper. The captain, Captain Pike, resists, and so he is punished via a thought pulse or something much like an electric shock. Says the keeper, after such a punishment for a thought, Wrong thinking is punishable. Right thinking will be as quickly rewarded. You will find it an effective combination. Today, just the other day, during the exercise of my typing on Facebook or sharing something, Facebook put up a notice about any wrong thinking post. They don't use those words, but it suggests it might be inaccurate, even though all you're posting is an opinion. And sometimes you're only posting that which is a mere fact, which is simply a matter of interpretation. Fact-checking becomes opinion-checking. I must deny what I see or be, I like this phrase from the prisoner, and I use it all the time because I like it. Unmutual. The gaslight lowers and heightens, and I'm told that that's not what I'm seeing. I could live with this. I could shut down my TV and my radio until, as in, say, Fahrenheit 451 or in 1984, I'm not allowed to shut off the flat screen TV, which spews right thinking into my head. But then there's my church, the Church of Jesus Christ and its leaders, his soldiers, if you will, the face of the body of Christ, or is it his betrayers? Are they being assimilated to right thinking, and are they disheartening a whole generation of those who need its guidance? In one of my early podcasts, I expressed concern at And believe me, lots of people with bigger podcasts and radio shows and print outlets have expressed it better than I that the Catholic Church so readily acceded to government restriction to the sacraments during the still ongoing COVID lockdown. In the early days, I could, though with difficulty, dismiss the cognitive dissonance of the shutdown and the ease with which the Church could be simply stopped. With the fact that COVID was in its early days and at least, so we were told, no one knew how to handle the infection. But here we're going into winter in California and in some other places. Yeah, it's not as cold as other locations, but on the way to cooler and uncomfortable and potentially rain. And by the way, it's begun to rain, drizzle in the last couple of days here. Not a sound for most of the bishops it is as if the church itself has been assimilated into the labyrinthian murk of the secular right thinking the progenitors of the borg individual priests and parishes are trying to minister to their parishioners but the leadership seems to me and to others to have abdicated let's go to the past for a minute henry the he assimilated in the 16th century and reinvented the church in England. Also, he could divorce and remarry for a male heir. The one time defender of the faith became its greatest human enemy. Right thinking kept your head, literally. Except in principle, if you were willing to lose your head, as pretty much none of the church leaders except Thomas More and John Fisher were willing to do resistance was futile or seemed so to the people. A tweet popped up on my phone while I was writing notes for this podcast. Sheen, the venerable Fulton J. Sheen, was actually a prophet and saw where the signs of moral decay were leading us in the 1950s, the 1960s, and the 70s. And here's the quote, neglect the body and the muscles stiffen. Neglect the mind, an imbecility comes. Neglect the soul, and ruin follows. It's more than neglect now. It is pure assimilation of souls because of our own neglect. Also the other day, one of my religious site feeds popped up. It was a recitation on the nature and type of mortal sins. I read it, and I laughed out loud particularly as it came to the so-called sexual sins and things like abortion. Now, in my personal private life, in my emotional private life, I don't care what people do behind closed doors. I don't care about whether people live together without benefit of marriage or have multiple spouses or a menage a trois or self-pleasure, but I bought into the reality of mortal sin, sexual or otherwise. And many of us have suffered because we accepted and still try to accept what was on the tablet, as it were, and confessed with true remorse, our failures in these areas and others, and resolved to the struggle again with God's grace, not to sin again. But, Our mainstream Catholic leaders tell us that what is unchangeable is quite changeable in fact. Now, they'll deny that. They say, no, no, the catechism speaks. But every act contradicts it. Every word spoken in public contradicts it. Another article, not the only one I might add over the last years on people, leaders, like Father baron and james martin was published on november the 5th in a magazine called crisis it is a conservative source religiously speaking but the following line completely captures my sense of frustration and demoralization and perhaps for others as well perhaps others think got no problem with any of this a bishop says the quote who does not condemn error and cozies up to false religious leaders like Father Martin is little better than Father Martin himself. In fact, he may be worse because he gives error an orthodox veneer. With a wink and a nudge, Bishop Barron lets people know that Father Martin isn't that bad, even if some things he promotes are diametrically opposed to church teaching and natural law. The name of the article was, or is, The Troubling Kinship of Bishop Baring and Father Martin. If what is in the Catechism is not really true, just tell us. Stop doing this dance and, in fact, co-opting people, assimilating people into some hybrid right thinking and punishing them if they point out that this is not what it says in the Catechism and the Ten Commandments is the truth. This is sort of a repeat in slightly different circumstances of what happened in the 1960s with the message of Vatican II. And I say the message because Vatican II did not stand for some of the things that came out as part of the message. But one day, things were traditional and true. The next day, it was no longer in vogue. When people say, that's not what happened, I gotta tell you, I was there, I saw it. I lived it. And then there seemed to be this surprise that people left the church in droves. I have pious friends, and I say that in the most generous of ways. People who are far more prayerful and who have been in line with Catholic teaching than I have ever been, who are thinking seriously right now about leaving the church because in this crisis, they feel betrayed. You say, I say, I say to myself, I tell myself, but it's the Eucharist, it's Jesus at the center, and one must keep one's eye focused on that. Yes, but as happened when he walked the earth in person 2000 years ago, well, he's in person now, but a different in person, When he did that 2,000 years ago, the forces of temptation and devilishness swirled around human minds and assimilated them, causing them to obscure, betray, punish, and kill the very center himself. It must have seemed to the people then that resistance was futile indeed. We know, of course, there were small pockets that persisted usually unto death. We today are so used to our comforts. We are more willing to accept cultural, moral, psychological, and spiritual assimilation to maintain that comfort. I'm in that category myself. After all, we prefer existence over meaning. I have no illusions about where I might fall when full assimilation presents itself to me. I know myself to be a coward. I've said this before. I've been trained to submit to authority. The problem now is, I don't know what authority is true. Well, I do, but if the authority in vogue is more powerful than the authority that is true, well, there you are. I'm a weak human being. What I have to offer in this podcast in response to the fears of assimilation, persecution, cowardice will no doubt seem inadequate perhaps even to the religious even at times to me when I'm at my lowest points which is often but it's all I got and I guess if God isn't enough for us then we really are doomed so from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 10 paragraphs 16 to 23 and then 26 these sections are titled coming persecutions and whom to fear behold i send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves beware of men for they will deliver you up to their councils and flog you in their synagogues parenthetically i add not from the gospel in their churches as well AND YOU WILL BE DRAGGED BEFORE GOVERNORS AND KINGS FOR MY SAKE, TO BEAR TESTIMONY BEFORE THEM AND THE GENTILES. WHEN THEY DELIVER YOU UP, DO NOT BE ANXIOUS ABOUT HOW YOU ARE TO SPEAK, OR WHAT YOU ARE TO SAY, FOR WHAT YOU ARE TO SAY WILL BE GIVEN TO YOU IN THAT HOUR, FOR IT IS NOT YOU WHO SPEAK, BUT THE SPIRIT OF YOUR FATHER SPEAKING THROUGH YOU. BROTHER WILL DELIVER UP BROTHER TO DEATH and the father his child, and children, will rise against parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known what i tell you in the dark utter in the light and what you hear whispered proclaim upon the housetops and do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell are not two sparrows sold for a penny and not one of them will fall to the ground without your father's will but even the hairs of your head are all numbered Fear not, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. So every one who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. I guess what the Lord is telling us is that with his grace, this kind of resistance is not futile. When we can't look to our society and to our church leaders, there is no other place to look but here. And yes, stick with the sacraments. Even when it does not feel as if anything is being accomplished, it is. Leave it to God. Well, as my door flew open with the wind, which was a bit nerve-wracking, we end another episode of Ordinary Old Catholic Me. You can follow me on my website for this podcast, Ordinary Old Catholic Me, and click following. That will make me very happy. So, see you next week.